Chris, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks uh, for having me. Can, can I call you Cammy? Cammy is what everybody calls me. Oh, the okay. only person that ever calls me Chris is my wife and my poor departed old mum. All right. Mm. And does your wife call you Chris only when you've done something wrong or all the time? No, she calls me Christopher when I've done something wrong. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> she calls me Chris all the other time, but... Uh, now everyone else calls me Cammy. Even my kids call me Cammy. Okay. <laughs> no, that's not true. They call me Dad. <laughs> so I, I presumed you joined the Royal Navy because you saw the village people. Why <laughs> MCA and all that? You know, I would. I can't lay claim to that. Although I think that was one of the first dances with my wife when I met her in Swindon. <laughs> um, so, so your dad? Because I mean, my dad's a pretty tough guy, but I. In a situation like that, I, I think I would have stood up to him, but that wasn't an option. No, it wasn't an option at all, no, because I had the opportunity. Dave Richardson, who uh, has been working for the Premier League as an academy coach uh, to this day, we still meet up and chat about it. He said to me, look, you've got a chance of being an apprentice footballer at Middlesbrough, you know, so don't do anything rash. We've got a cup final in a couple of weeks' time. Um, you'll be playing for Middlesbrough boys. Um, we'll speak to you then. And I had to contact him and say, look, I'm not playing in the middle of a boys' final. Uh, I have got a job in the Navy. And uh, he said, you know, you're an idiot because you've got a chance of being a footballer. And, uh, and I said, well, I don't have that choice, to be honest. And so I had to go that way. So you're in the Navy against your will, pretty much. How was it for you? It was great, to be fair, because I went down to Torpoint in Devon. And uh, so I'd virtually, um, the first two weeks I got there, the, the Navy football team were training there. So I went to watch them train, and it's, this is men we're talking about, big men and all that. Sort of, I'm a 15-year-old, skinny, scrawny little kid. And I went to see the manager, and I said, look, I've been watching you for the last couple of weeks. Can I join in? And he went, no, no. He said, these little kick lumps out of you. And I said, no. I said, I think I can own my own. You know, and I was sort of like an attacking midfielder in those days, could play centre-forward as well as midfield and score some goals. And he said, no, 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 no. Anyway, one day they were training and there were a man short. And uh, I, I used to just sit on the bank watching them train and I, I, there was a running track next to it, so I kept myself fit and all that. And he said, oh, come on, you can come and join in. Anyway, I went and joined in and played really well, scored a few goals. And he went, oh, good, you're not bad at all, are you? You're not bad. And he put me straight into the, the Navy football team, which was the best thing he could have done. We played against Portsmouth. I scored two goals against the Portsmouth um, uh, youth team and that was it they said look we'll buy you out for a, a couple of hundred quid and I got the Navy I had to get the Navy to send my dad a letter to say that if it didn't work out that they would take me back in the Navy ok so yeah. he was so he was ok then yeah he yeah. was ok and, and to be fair the fact that I was down uh, in Portsmouth at that time I got transferred from Plymouth to Portsmouth the fact that he was in Middlesbrough you know basically I, I didn't you know he couldn't do that much about it, if you know what I mean. Whereas, you know, I would have done it, even if the Navy hadn't given me that letter to send to him, I would have still followed the um, Portsmouth route. And Ian St John, it was his first ever signing as a manager. Ray Crawford was the youth team manager. He recommended me to Ian St John. And Ian St John took over Portsmouth three days before I signed. And I met Ian St John and he said, look, um, I heard you've, um, you've done well against our youth team, scored a couple of goals. You'll be an apprentice for the next couple of years. We will give you the pricely sum of £10 a week. <laughs> <laughs> Is that more or less about than what you were on 
I was on 18 pounds a week in the Navy, oh, so it was a cut. It was a massive cut. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so 10 pounds a week. And um, uh, when it comes to the summer, because I think it was December at that time, when it comes to the summer, your wages go up to 12 pounds a week. And if you get into the first team, it's 50 pound appearance and 25 pounds uh, a point or a win or a draw. So it was 50 pounds a win and 25 pounds a draw. You must be absolutely sick now when you see kids changing <laughs> hands for you know. Fortunate. Well, I'm I'm fortunate because I am a money off the lads in the game now, so yeah. I don't begrudge them one single penny. You know, I, what I do, do do though, and I look at back and so like, you know, just the other day when I saw Jimmy Greaves has just had a stroke and all these lads, and when I go around all the football grounds, I see legends. You know, going around the suites at football grounds for you know a couple of, a couple of hundred quid. Yeah, and these lads who, you know, some of them mercenaries come in and earn an absolute fortune. That's when I feel a little bit sad about it. But, and, you know, as far as I'm concerned, now, you know, I work for Sky. Uh, I couldn't earn my money without them fellas playing football, so it's not a problem to me. I mean, I, I was rubbish at football, but I thought, I always think I might have had a better chance if I hadn't started my career as, as an eight-year-old and left back not really understanding the offside yeah. <laughs> well you didn't have given a great think, yeah, so did, how important there are think? not many people I know who start off as a left back at <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, eight year old no you're limits <laughs> <laughs> everyone else wanted to be a striker a midfielder so I thought well if I put my hand up for that you know I'll get it um, I always remember when, when I went to Leeds and Howard Wilkinson asked me to play left back uh, I covered in right back position for Mel Sterland which was fine. And then Jim Beglin and Glenn Snodding got injured and he asked me to play left back. And I, and I just went, yeah, you know. And I went home that night and uh, I remember just thinking, oh, you know, I know I can play centre mid and I can play right back because I'm, you know, right sided footed. How am I going to get on left back? And I had to mark Tony Daly at Aston Villa. You know, so it's my first game at left back for Leeds. Anyway, uh, I managed to blag it and get away with it, but uh, I wish I'd have had the, the thoughts in my head from an eight-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's difficult to say. It's really difficult to say because how many academies are there these days, and you know how many opportunities are these kids getting? And then you know we we hear that um, you know that these kids are being spoiled by the foreign players coming into the game, which to a certain extent is okay, yeah. But we never had any academies when I was a kid. The one thing we had, we had a tennis ball or we had a proper football to go out on the streets and play football with. And we did that. We didn't have computers. We hardly ever watched the telly because it just wasn't in your remit. Your mum and dad kicked you out of the house and you went back in. At what, what, you know, as long as you were in at 12, 1 o'clock, it didn't make any difference to them. As long as you went to school the next day, it didn't make any difference to them. And then they didn't even know when you were at school or they weren't at school, you know, <laughs> which you weren't quite a lot of the time. So the thing was, it was football, football, football. So, um, and that was just playing with your mates and doing all that. Once you get to 15, 16, then you should get the coaching or whatever. Uh, but now they're getting academies from eight-year-old. So why are we not producing magnificent footballers here, there and everywhere if these academies are, are the be-all and end-all? That's the thing that puzzles me, that's how I have to say. You could probably, I suppose, blind kids that young with science as well and put them off the game if you worry too much about positional sense or tactics and whatnot. Yeah, but... How important do you think it is for, for young kids who are just starting the game to have very good coaching? The, th- the thing is, the Wayne Rooney's and the wonder kids of this world will always come through. You know, there's, there's no question about that. Whether you have an academy or you don't have an academy, they'll find their way through, you know. Um, but the, I, I do feel that um, 
you know, some of these academies do need to take a look at themselves and, you know, and think, you know, what Chelsea's academy, you know, where's the players coming through at Chelsea? Where are they? You know, why are you spending... Why are you spending millions and millions and millions of pounds when the club is just going to buy players to put in the first team? Because, you know, the managers that they get have to guarantee success. They don't have to guarantee bringing a youngster through and making things uh, fabulous for them. If you're like Arsenal, um, you've got half a chance as a youngster of playing. You know, look at the kids that they bring through or look at the kids that they go and buy because of the development of the club. So there is different scenarios at different football clubs. Just describe your management style because, you know, you come across as a very affable bloke. Everyone likes you. Can you be the tough guy when you need to? Yeah, you, you have to. As a manager, you have to change. You know, you... You really do. I didn't like the person I become. I'll be honest with you. He was a manager. You know, I didn't like that person at all. But I enjoyed managing Bradford City. I, I really did. We had success. We got promotion from what is League One to the Championship uh, nowadays, and that went really, really well. I went to Stoke City, which is a big disappointment for me. They'd only won one game in 13, and I took over and thought, right, I'll do this, this, that, and the other, and probably approached it all wrongly. Um, made mistakes got out of my depth at times in situations where I panicked and did, did the wrong things and all that sort of stuff but it was, it was a great learning curve for me you know I was there for three months uh, before we agreed to mutually uh, park company and it was one of those to, you know when you, when you sit back from something like that and you, and you, and you look at what you've done wrong um, the mistakes that you made why you did them why you shouldn't have done them um, and it's it, in terms of football knowledge from then on, you know that you're never going to stop learning about football. You're always going to be understanding. And so now I can understand sometimes what managers are going through. When you see Nigel Pearson the other day come out with the stuff about the ostrich and everything, I know exactly where it's coming from because your mind is just gone. Your mind, you know, the only thing you're trying to focus on is, is staying in that particular division or keeping everybody happy within the squad. And you do, you do and say things that you shouldn't say and you, and you get carried away. And it's only, and it's all right for the likes of Sir Alex Ferguson and Jose Mourinho and uh, Arsene Wenger and people like them to say, you know, we'd never do things like that. But I'd love to see them back in the day when they were starting off in the game and they made decisions and made mistakes and, and did all those sort of things because that's, that's how it happens. Until you get into their comfortable position, what they get into through longevity and class and and everything else like that, then that's when you become a lot better. But you can look up to them guys and see how they do it now and think, right, you know, can I build to that level? Well, there's no doubt in the success of Marino and Ferguson, but I think a lot of people would argue about their their class as in, you know, as as men sometimes on occasion. They do do things um, that benefit their football club. So... Uh, that's that's the thing that you have to understand. When when everyone was hating uh, Sir Alex and saying like you know this is what he's doing, this is what he's saying, and everything, he's doing it for the benefit of his football club. You know, when he finishes and retires, like Sir Alex has, I'm sure he look, look, looks back at it and thinks, oh, how on earth did I do that? Why did I get away with it? How did I get away with it? And, and all that sort of thing. And I think it's only the same as Jose Mourinho. You are saying things that will benefit your football club, you know. So, so his, late, his latest spat with Arsene Wenger and all that sort of stuff, is it puts Ale, Ar, Arsene Wenger in two minds. It, it really does, you know. As much as he says he's been re- disrespectful, he also knows that the next time they play him, he's so desperate to go and beat them 
that he can actually wallow in his success if it actually happens. But it hasn't happened yet, so he hasn't had that opportunity. <laughs> so uh, there's me thinking he never watched the show on a Sunday morning or anything like that. And so, so it was great. So he said, look, here's my telephone number. If you want to speak to us and everything like that. And he said, I'd love to come on the show someday. And obviously we, we text each other over other business and we talk about football occasionally. And whenever I'm, I'm at Stamford Bridge, which is not very often, I would have to say in the time that he's been the manager, the games I've done at Stamford Bridge are probably, you could count on one hand. But every time I've been there, I've gone in his office afterwards and had a drink with him and everything like that. Very hospitable, just you know, like a proper English manager uh, would do that type of stuff. Well, he's, he's been a friend of mine for a long time. When he first came over, to England the first time I met him uh, was at Fulham I was just stood outside and he came walking towards me and he said uh, can I just shake your hand and I said oh Jose Marino wanted to shake my hand he said I'd just like to say that uh, watching you and Andy Gray you educate people on the game so I thought oh thanks ever so much you know it's, it's great what a compliment that is so we stuck up a friendship you know uh, so from that time over the last eight or nine years I've been texting him and saying you've got to come on goals on Sunday you you know, you've promised me. And he said, yeah, yeah, I will do, I will do, I will do. So I said, yeah, no problem. Phoned the producer straight away. I said, has, every, has the production staff gone home? He said, no, they're just about to leave, though. He said, um, they normally leave at nine, but I've told them to go at ten too because all the work's done. I said, well, you better tell them to stay and cut some more packages and everything of Jose Mourinho, this, that, and the other. And he went, you're kidding me? I said, no, he's definitely coming on in the morning. I said, but don't get rid of James Beattie yet because he's, uh, he's promised to text me once he's in the car. And once, once we've got him in the car, this is his address in uh, Fulham. This is his address. Uh, once he's in the car, then we can announce to the outside world that he's coming on because in that time, somebody might say to him, look, don't go on goals on Sunday um, because you might regret saying the odd thing or two. So, anyway, lo and behold, quarter to ten, uh, um, Jose rings me. Quarter to nine, sorry, Jose rings me. We're on at 10.30. Jose rings me. I'm in the car on my way to Sky. Uh, so I thought, great. So I goes on Sky Sports News and announces it. By the time I finish on Sky Sports News, as I'm walking off the uh, set to go and get ready uh, to rehearse for goals on Sunday, found Sean Dyche. <laughs> well, I knew it was something like that. I knew it. <laughs> He's, he'll, he'll be using you. He'll, he'll come on to use you. And I'm thinking. When, when you read a Sean Dyche test, text, do you read it in his voice? Of course. <laughs> Of course, but I mean, me and him get on, get on famously, you know. The, the, the thing about um, goals on Sunday or, or me on Soccer Saturday, I'm 100% fair in whatever happens. You know, I don't have any issues with any of the clubs. I don't, I don't uh, tend to lean towards any clubs, you know. A decision is a decision. I'm not trying to try and make a decision because it's in Chelsea's favour or, or Burnley's favour. I'm just going to say it as it is and how I believe that it is. And to be fair, all those decisions in that particular game by the referees were wrong. You know, they, they, they were wrong. And Sean was big enough to admit that uh, afterwards and, and say basically that Josie was in the right in that particular time of the incidents. But of course, if you're the manager of the other football club, you don't want to hear that someone's slanging your team off. So I basically... Where in, 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 apart from the fact where the incidents were on the telly um, that, you, that you comment on I kept quiet apart from that because I thought I'm in a no-win situation here I can't win with Daishi and I can't win with Josie is it, is it not fair to say that it's not your job to be everyone's mate 
on the show. I know you don't invite someone to the studio and then give them a hard time. That's because mm. it's not question time or news night. But it's mm. there to come on, and I will sort of like if it's a footballing issue, I will will fairly give my point of view, which I do, you know. And, but I give it in a in a way, and that's why the players like goals on coming to watch uh, coming on goals on Sunday. If say it's um, Sean Dice and it's one of his players when they have the team meeting on Monday morning Sean Dice will be saying to Danny Ings or Jason Shackle or whatever why did you do this why did you do that mm. not me saying look at that that's absolutely shocking that's disgusting you know when I was a player I never wanted to hear that but I wanted the manager to say well why is he doing this this is what he should have done this is how he could have done it you know all those guests that come on goals on a Sunday whether they've got uh um, problems or they're in contract situations with you know that we have Premier League managers who come on there and have been told that if you say X X and X your compensation will be stopped right so they come on goals on Sunday because they know having spoken to me that oh Cammy I can't talk about that so it'll be in the you know say 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 it was John Carver you know for t- for tomorrow and he got the sack after the, the game on Sunday and then we had him on and he would say look I can't say I can talk about certain issues but I won't be able to talk about other, other issues because I can't and as far as I'm concerned that's fine mm-hmm. that, that, that is fine you know nobody there isn't another show that get the guests that we get there isn't one mm-hmm. and the, the, only, the only way we're going to get that is by people trusting us and they trust that we won't stitch them up and that's how, that's how I prefer it to be you know we're not Jonathan Dimbleby, we're not, you know, David Frost, we're not, we're, you know, we don't profess to be. I'm, I'm an ex-player, an ex-football manager and a TV presenter. I am not there to give someone a grill in and say you should have done this and you should have done that. I'd prefer them to come on in their own free will, if they've got something to say, we let them say it uh, and we can challenge them to a certain extent but we don't want to challenge them to the way that they need to be upset. But was he not doing your job for you? Should, should you and Ben not have... Because most of Jose's arguments, you could pick him apart pretty easily without, in a very nice way, but just go, well, hold on, Jose, you know, what about you sending your staff in rotation to harass the, the fourth official? Could you not say that this Ashley Barnes challenge wasn't actually a foul? Uh, you know, things like that. Without... I just personally thought you gave him a kind of an easy ride. If we did, you, you if, disagree. If, so. if, if we did, we did. But that's what I'm saying. If we did, we did. You know, the fact is, he's doing me a favour by coming yeah, on goals okay. on Sunday. You know, and the, the, the last thing I want him to do is get up and walk off. And off the, off the pitch, he is, he's, he's, he's amazing. He's amazing. He's, he's a really top fella. I'd have to say that. And, and that is, that's not just Jose or me or whatever. That is. 99.9% of the people that I know, whether it be working in football, whether it be boss of a company, whether it be anything else, you know, you, you give somebody that power to be the boss of a company and then you tell me that they haven't changed in some sort of way, I'd have to laugh at you and say, I don't believe you. I, I don't believe you. I just don't, don't believe you. I'm, you know, I know one person who I worked with who then became a boss and I just couldn't understand I couldn't understand how he could treat me in that way 
Uh, and then it's only when you become a manager you realise that unfortunately you have to take that stance away from it. You know, you take that stance and you know you can no longer be familiar in the same way that you were before. You you seem fairly unique in in the world of football and TV presenters in that everyone. No one has a bad word to say about Chris Kamara. Oh, oh. That's brilliant, though, isn't it? Oh, it's what, fantastic. A, what, a, what a position to be in. How do you think that's come about? Just your because nice I'm style? fair. No, no, because I'm fair. You know, like I said, it, it, you know, if you're a, if you're a pundit, uh, or I say, say the, take the soccer Saturday person first. I go to a football ground on a Saturday, right? Um, I will shout for. Manchester United as loud as, as I will shout for Manchester City. So if they score a goal, I'm as them. So they don't know whether I'm, I want them to win or them, them to win. I might have put them on the coupon, but it doesn't make any difference to me. My coupon doesn't make any difference. Right? So, so, that, so that's how I think it should be. I think when, you, when you're a reporter and you're going to watch a match, don't favour anybody. Just go and enjoy the match. And I go and enjoy the match. And I'm not negative. I'm not like some football pundits who go to the ground and before they've decided it's going to be nil-nil and this, that and the other. Football surprises you at times. And there are, there are ways you can look at a football match. There are ways you can look at, you know, it, you know four all, five all draws are, are absolutely brilliant to watch because there's chances here, there and everywhere and you're going to see loads and loads of goals. But in other ways, Queen's Park Rangers going to Chelsea and getting a nil-nil draw, how did they do it? How did they, well did they defend? You know, how did they stop them scoring goals? Did they need to, to um, bow down and just let the opposition win? No, they didn't. They work at it. And so you can look at things from different point of view. And that's the way that I, that I like to, to cover it. And the way that, um, the, that's the way that the fans see us. And, I, you know, long may that continue because I don't want to be biased to anybody. And then on goals on Sunday, when we do the action and when we do the analysis on a Sunday... We are straight down the middle. We are straight down the middle. Referees get more of a kick in than, than the opposition. Um, and the reason why, because they make more mistakes um, than, than you know, some of the decisions that they get wrong. Um, but in terms, of, in terms of the teams, we, we stay, or I stay, 100% impartial. So if you're, you're in a nightclub, Stephen Gerrard is there. You want Elton John, he wants Phil Collins. Who, who would win the fight? Oh, crikey, well, Elton. Elton all day long. <laughs> it's got to be, you know. Right. Don't let the sun go down on me, that's the one. <laughs> so I hope I, you're not upset that we give you a hard time. <laughs> I'm not at all, honestly. <laughs> like I said, you know, to, to have got an interview like that has gone down in history. Mm. It could only have happened the way that me and Ben did it, or me and Bert. Did it because yeah. I was only <laughs> just just as a man of interest actually because everyone's a critic these days and you've got Twitter and Facebook and you know so you automatically if you do something with that's perceived to be wrong you you get hammered does that hurt or does it wash over you or does it bother you or do you just goes with the territory and to be honest we got a bit of, I got a bit of stick on Twitter over that Jose Mourinho thing but I never hardly I never hardly get any stick I get no. People are so nice, you know, to me now. It's just, it's just amazing. So, you know, I, I, I cherish that. Most of the, you they, must mo- have a dark side. Most you? of the anger, most of the anger was from, uh, no, no, my wish. Do you drown puppies or something? <laughs> no, no, not at all. I love dogs. <laughs> but, um, 
But most of the time, I just think, you know, um, I've got such a wonderful life. It's, it's absolutely great. Keep enjoying it. Um, I enjoy it a lot. I haven't been home for the last three weeks. And I'll go home next week uh, to see my wife. And, uh, uh, but she's all right, because come May the 25th, we're off for 10 or 11 weeks. So she'll see plenty of me then. I believe you, in a previous life as well, you... Uh, we're a pioneer of video games. You're clearly happy with your lot in life. Uh, what what bugs you about football these days? Nothing. Nothing, no, at, nothing all. at all. No, I, I, I love it. You know, people get caught up and head down, and you know the games are shocker. The games this. You know, they earn too much money. They do. I'm just still living the dream. You know, <laughs> I, I really am. You know, my life is still just going onwards and upwards. You know. Um, to, to be able to do um, what I've done with Sky Sky have been brilliant for me now I've moved into ITV they, they have embraced me with both, both arms you know with Ninja Warrior and Give a Pet a Home and they've got more projects that they'd like me to do for them uh, it's just it's just amazing really you know were you very upset when Dion Dublin got the gig on Homes Under the Hammer? Was, no, not was one for me. Your eye not, on that? No, no, not not for me. Daytime TV, you can you can have that one. Yeah. <laughs> Although <laughs> oh, I did do this morning. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. It's um, you know, I'm sure he wishes he'd have got um, Ninja Warrior at seven o'clock on a Saturday night before Britain's Got Talent. You're pals with David Moyes, I believe. Do you, do you think he got a fair crack at Manchester United? Of course, he never. No. no, of course you never. No, you, it just it just goes to show, <laughs> doesn't it? The perception, what it's all about. You know, uh, Fellaini's Louis Van Gaal's best player over the last couple of months, three months, right? Moisey, if he'd have played him up front instead of Van Persie and or Rooney or with with just him and mm. Rooney, nah, he'd have got okay. absolutely he'd have got slaughtered. <laughs> he would have got absolutely slaughtered. You know, but he can afford to leave Falcao on the bench, Van Persie out injured and play Fellaini up front and get away with it, um, Louis van Gaal. That's not to say he's not doing a good job, because cause he obviously is, but he spent a lot of money. David Moyes uh, wasn't allowed to spend that money. Um, so, yeah, it, it's all about perception. You know, it, it's all... Whoever was going to follow Fergie was going to be in trouble. For them to give a manager who didn't have a record of winning loads of trophies was the thing that sort of, like, put people off David Moyes. And that's the only difference between him and Louis van Gaal, is that Louis' CV is glittered with prizes. David's wasn't. But you're not going to tell me if he'd have been given another season and this season had it ended in the similar fashion that Louis van Gaal's finishing this one, he'd have probably been sacked anyway because they would have expected to to have been in the top two this time around. But he wasn't given that comfort zone to be able to do it. You, you say you're quite good mates with Jose. How, how different is the Jose you have a drink with in the office behind a closed door to pantomime villain Jose that the rest of us Chalk know? Chalk and cheese. Yeah? Chalk and cheese. I've always suspected that, but it, it's interesting to hear. How, how a- so? Absolute chalk. It's, just, it's, it's only the same as a player. You know, when people talk about me, when, oh, we saw you as a player and everything, I was like, oh. I went on that football pitch and put a shirt on because I wanted to win for the football club that I played for, right? You saw me afterwards for a drink in the bar and everything else like that. You saw the, you saw the real Chris Kamara. You saw the, the person, you know? The competitor, the professional, 
was the one that you see, and the professional and the competitor is the one that you see of Josie. I believe you're, you're a big Elton John fan. I, I should have had a meet and greet with him at um, one of his concerts at the O2 Arena. Uh, was it O2 or Wembley? I'm not sure um, where it was now. A, about four years ago, yeah. I think it was Wembley, yeah. About four or five years ago, and he got the flu. Oh. I was absolutely so devastated. He did, you did. Hey? He did. He did. Oh. oh, yeah, no, he pulled out the concert. So it was, I was devastated, yeah, absolutely devastated. So it, it, he's on my bucket list before, um, before um, I pop my clogs. I think one of your, your classic gaffes was that you said Graham Taylor had, had straightened out. <laughs> I'd straightened him out, yeah. But it was genuine, it wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't looking to... Um, <laughs> and he went, and Graham was brilliant when he went, I don't think I quite did that. <laughs>